Welcome to Matters of Life. I'm your host, John Lucier. You know, we're told in Scripture to, or we're urged in Scripture, to present our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is our spiritual service of worship. Or depending on your translation, I might say your reasonable service of worship. But then we're told not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Extremely important. And I know you're probably saying, well, John, that's good. That's scripture. What does that mean? And how do we do it? Well, our Heavenly Father, like the good, loving Heavenly Father that He is, who is also our God, tells us very plainly in Proverbs chapter 2. But like our loving Father, and demonstrating who He is, His nature, His character, His attributes, God is love. He tells us in this unique way. He gives us the if, if we will. So I'll read the first four verses of Proverbs 2, verse 1 through 4. It says, My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. And then beginning in verse 5 through the rest of the chapter, there are a lot of, he gives you the results, then you will. But I don't want to get to that just yet. Let's focus on the, the first four verses. There are eight different things the Lord asks us as his sons and daughters, if we will do. Now, um, I love this because it goes back to, yes, the Lord's nature, his character, his attributes, who he is, what he provides. But he, he communicates it in the structure that he created. Yes, he's our God and we're his people, but as a father to his child, Yes, he's speaking to you. The first thing he says, number one, if you will receive my words, his instruction, what he says, in other words, hold it above everything else. If you will, and this is number two, if you will treasure my commandments within you. Three is if you will make your ear attentive to wisdom. Four is if you will incline your heart to understanding. The fifth one is, if you cry for discernment. Six is, if you lift your voice for understanding. Seven is, if you seek her as silver, referring to his wisdom, godly wisdom. And eight is, and if you will search for her as for hidden treasures. There's so much contained within here that is 
as I'll say, impossible for us to get through all of them in one setting, in one episode. But let's at least begin, yes? First, it's about his words. We talked about the structure. The Lord is our Father, our Heavenly Father. That relationship, if we think back, the parents have to serve the child because the child is unable in and of itself initially to take care of itself. As much as, even as we grow, we think uh, as children, we think we're capable of taking care of ourselves. How then can it be to the other end of the spectrum where a parent literally has to, what's known as baby-proofing their home in order to assist or aid in keeping the child alive so the child doesn't cause harm to itself and is able to continue to grow, develop, mature, and learn the teaching, the training, the equipping that the parents are required to give it so that it can replicate and hopefully even do better than the parents. It can't be that a child knows so much that every corner of every sharp table or heavy object or every outlet has to be covered up with all sorts of interesting, unique methods and tools and devices that they've come up with nowadays in order to keep children and infants and toddlers out of certain objects to save its life. That's how dependent they are upon the parents. But here the Lord is asking us if we will receive his words, will we hold them above everything else? Or will we allow the ways, the words, the things spoken by others that didn't come from the Lord? Will we hold those closer and apply those to our lives beyond what the one that has literally looked out for us from before the foundation of the earth has said? Will we hold those things near and dear? Will we treasure them within us? Are his words, are his commandments written on the tablets of our hearts? Are we actively listening? In other words, making our ear attentive to his wisdom, to godly wisdom, godly counsel, which comes through Holy Spirit. Have we, like Daniel set and, and even Moses, looked upon what the Lord has said to look upon? Have we set our heart to view it? Hey, there's a bush burning. Why is it burning? What did the angel say when he arrived to speak with Daniel? As soon the message was sent, as soon as you set your heart to understand. So are we searching the Lord out? Are we seeking him, his wisdom, his counsel, as David says, to teach him his, the Lord's ways and the Lord's thoughts? Because they are not like ours, but they are much higher. And that's the attitude and approach that we all have to take. As much as we claim to know or want to know, and um, we're not against education, it's absolutely required. 
but what's being taught? And is it bringing us closer in our relationships, Lord? Or is it becoming a substitute for him? Has the knowledge, the education, and the degrees, and all those other things, while they're good in, in and of themselves, have they become a replacement for our relationship with the Lord? Is that what we turn to? And you could argue, yes, yes, we have. Maybe not individually, but as a nation, the collective whole, as a people. And yes, the United States is different from every other nation. We're a people that's not a people. It's made up of many peoples from many tribes and nations all over the earth. But we as a people, as a nation, have put great stock in knowledge and in the pursuit of it. And we've trusted that instead of what the Lord says. But the Lord's saying if we'll do those things, if we will actively or make our ear attentive to hear his words, which also speaks of a relationship. We say oftentimes in, the, in this ministry to let everything pass by before the Lord. Jesus has a unique role, just like the first Adam. The Lord made everything pass by before him. And whenever he called it, that's what it is or what it was for the first Adam. Well, Jesus is the last Adam. So we must likewise let everything in our lives pass before the Lord. And whatever he says about it, that's what it is. And it doesn't say that the Lord corrected Adam when he named the animals, whatever he named them. It stood. And in the same way, the word of our Lord stands for all eternity. But that's an active thing that denotes a relationship and a growth, a development in the relationship. Care must be taken to preserve it. It must hold value and importance and significance in our life. So will we do that? Will we cry for discernment and lift our voice for understanding? What does is, what is the Lord say in James or through James, Jesus' earthly brother? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask for it. It goes back to what we were just talking about. Will we seek the Lord for everything? Our every being, will we let everything pass by before him to, like David said, get his ways and, or, or learn his ways and his thoughts on the matter? To receive that instruction, wisdom, the guidance. Will we seek the Lord and his wisdom as silver and search as hidden treasures? When the Lord say, ask, and it will be open to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be open to you. There is a persistence, a diligence, is probably a better way to phrase it, that we must have in pursuing the Lord. 
And we have to do it above everything else. Anybody that has a desire or wants something, when they have determined that that is what they're going to do, has no problems climbing the highest mountain or swimming down to the depths of the, the lowest ocean. There is no obstacle too, that becomes too great that we won't make whatever, if we will, if you will, sacrifices that are required in order to get that thing that we desire. That's human nature. Again, let's renew our minds on this. That, an even greater measure, is how we, in diligence, is how we should be seeking the Lord. But then let's, let's read now verses 5 through the end of the chapter, because it is key. These are the rewards and the blessings and the benefits of the eight things that we just went over. So if we will actively participate and do those things, this, or these, are the things that, that the rewards, the results, the fruit of active faith, diligence, and obedience to what the Lord is asking us as his children to do. It says, then, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice. And he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways, to deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words, that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house stinks or sinks down to death, and her tracks lead to the end. None who go to her return again, nor do they reach the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of righteousness. For the upright will live in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. I love this, this part, these rewards. If you really count them out, there are 27 blessings and benefits. That is a over 300% return on our investment of actively doing those eight different things. There are 27 different things mentioned in here. So if you were to just take it from a numbers and a ratio, again, that's over 300% 
increase or return on the initial investment of eight different things. And it's not just a one-time thing. This must be active. But then you can't even put a price on it because if you, we read through the verses 5 through 22. Notice how many of these, the perils or consequences that lay in wait to entrap someone. They're dealt with and taken care of or avoided before they even have a chance to ensnare the child of God. If they are just diligent to walk with the Lord and to do those eight different things that he asks us to do, all these blessings and benefits. And, and even if we miss it, he, the Lord still said he would deliver us. He would guard us in this. But he also says something very interesting. Talking about the, the strange woman or the adulteress, it says that she has forgotten the covenant of her God. So there's also a warning to us in here. It means that this person knew that they had a relationship, and this is why the it must be active. This is why I just sense the Lord has asked me to harp on this word or to be insistent about it. This relationship must be active. We must be constantly or continually doing these eight things. But I'll also say this in this way. If we're remaining with the Lord, if our relationship with him is active, that we are continually demonstrating our obedience to him or walking in obedience to him, which is demonstrating our love toward him and our faith in him, regardless of the situation or circumstance. If we are doing that, There are all these benefits. We will not, the first, oh, the first, it's in here about not forgetting the covenant of, well, in this case it says her God, but our God. There's a warning in here because that denotes that someone that knew God walked away or would be known in, in Christianese or Christian circles as becoming a backslider. And it says very plainly that at the end, the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. But that denotes a heart that refuses to turn to the Lord, that refuses to be in relationship with him. But for any of us, let's examine ourselves. And if we have air in our lungs or breath in our lungs, his breath, we can absolutely repent. He is ready, able, and willing to forgive. Are we ready, willing, and able to repent, to humble ourselves, to repent, to lay it down at his feet, to seek his face, and to turn from our ways, our wicked ways, ways that don't reflect 
our Heavenly Father's nature, character, and attributes? Will we repent and will we renew our mind and put Him in His rightful place and understand who He is and what He has desired from us as our Heavenly Father all along? What He's desired from us and for us is His best. But that relationship must be active. You know, it says very plainly in in James 2, I'll read 18 through 23. This is why it must be active. It says, but someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God has won. You do well. The demons also shudder, also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, Faith was perfected, and scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. So I want us to point out three, a few different things. And this is, again, this is speaking to why this relationship and those eight things must be active. Our relationship with the Lord must be an active part. One is saying words only. It says, and you will say, I have works. Or, and you will say, excuse me, and you will say, I have faith. And another will say, I have works. And yet a third will say, I'll show you my faith by my works. There's three different types of people in this section of Scripture in James. And I want us to understand them. The first is words only. Not hard to figure out. They say they have faith, but there's nothing to back it up or to support it. So the, the bigger thing is between the second and third person. One says, I have works. And while the third person says, I will show you my faith by my works. Do we understand the difference? And the difference is this. Person number two in this, in James, the one that says, I have works, denotes that they are past tense they already did some things but it's not active where person number three is saying i will show you my faith by my works it denotes that their relationship their love for the lord and their trust in him is actively being demonstrated by their obedience and everything the lord is asking them to do 
the first two. Let's look at even for those that are parents or those that are not yet parents. We were all children at some point. Have we ever not done the things our parents asked us to do? We wanted to say we loved them, but us not doing them, whether it's just in words or whether it's in words and deeds. And by deeds, I mean doing the exact opposite of what they have asked us, taught us, instructed us to do. Let's get down to the core of what that really communicates. And it's not that many would say, oh, well, it just denotes that they don't care about someone. Well, that's not accurate. It denotes and demonstrates, it communicates very efficiently and effectively that although someone may say they love them, if they won't do what's said or will do the opposite of what's said, that they actually hate them. So the question we must then ask ourselves, are our words and actions communicating our love for the Lord or that we hate the Lord? And by the Lord, I mean our Heavenly Father. There's no way to sugarcoat it. Let's just get down to brass tacks. Where the third person is saying, I love the Lord, I have faith in Him, and I am going to continually demonstrate that through my obedience to everything He has said to do. I'm going to be diligent and quick to do it because my relationship with the Lord matters above everything else. And I am an active, witting, and willing participant in it. There's a huge difference, which is why the Lord says in Scripture, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And for the second person, we can also look at Scripture in Matthew. Matthew 7, I'll read verses 21 through 23. It says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. This is Jesus speaking, the righteous judge. And he then, he says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Let's understand that. Let's let that sink in for a moment. We're talking about the relationship has to be active. Active, witting, willingly doing those eight different things. firm and steadfast in our relationship with the Lord, demonstrating our love toward the Lord, but our faith in Him by our works or our obedience to say the things He says to say and to do the things He said to do or says to do. When, he sa- when and how He says to do them through Holy Spirit, who takes from the Father and discloses it to us.
we have to renew our minds on this and ask ourselves if we will, will we receive the Lord's words? Will we treasure his commandments within us? Will we write them on the tablet of our heart? Will we make our ear attentive to wisdom and incline our heart to understanding? Will we live a fasted life that no one and nothing has so much of our attention that we can't clearly and accurately hear what the Lord is saying and speaking to us for ourselves, but also to minister to people their need through the working and power of Holy Spirit? Will we cry out for discernment? Will we lift our voice for understanding? Will we seek the Lord in His wisdom, counsel, might, understanding, knowledge as silver and search for her, the Lord's wisdom, as for hidden treasures? Will we do those eight things? Will we continually do them? Isn't that what remaining is? He said very plainly, my father is glorified by this, that you would bear much fruit and that your fruit would remain. And when we examine the fruit, even in our natural lives, what's being communicated by it? Is it good fruit in our lives, in our homes, our families, our community? and our communities and our nation? Is everything functioning and working as the Lord designed it and intended it for the people? Now, yes, it begins with me for my life and it begins with you for yours. Will we each do this? First and foremost in our life, but will we also teach others how to do these things. How to be an active, witting, willing participant in the will of the Lord, in his covenant, his plan, his purpose, his destiny track for you, for your life, for the lives of your children and your children's children and all the future generations until the Lord returns. Or will we remain in opposition? Have, have we not seen the fruit of that long enough? In our government, in our homes, and families that are being have been torn? In our education system? Have we not seen the seeds planted and watered? And what's the fruit that they're producing? Is it glorifying God or only denoting that we have not truly remained with him as sons and daughters? That there are things that we need to repent from, lay down at his feet, and choose to move forward in what he's commanded us. 
and these eight things here in Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 4 are a wonderful start. So let's renew our mind on what's required. Absolutely faith and obedience to the Lord. But what does that look like in our lives? So let's renew our minds on this. Let's renew our minds on our relationship with the Lord and what that is, what He intended the structure to look like and how we move forward in it, how we function as a body, as His bride, His church, that He, our Heavenly Father, may be glorified. Amen. Well, thank each and every one of you for joining us for this episode and for standing for justice and righteousness or righteousness and justice. That the Lord would continue to move in and through your heart and in your walk and in your life and the lives of those around you. First and foremost, bringing about his deliverance which is also part of his blessing and his covenant on the destiny track for you, for your life, your family, your home, your community, or communities, and your nation. I love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.